Perfect. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Jordan Smart here. Uh, today, we're gonna I'm gonna be hosting affirmative interaction. We have here, of course, Michael Nixon, Agent Marston, Logan Stout, Christian Hayes, and we have a special guest here, uh, Christian, and he will be helping us tackle this topic of misinformation and disinformation. These are two things that have been very much been a big part of our world, our country, and our politics since I would say uh, 2016. And I definitely think I'm getting a little bit of echo here. Um, headphones are in. Just give me one second. It's all good, man. We're, we're very informal here. Yeah. Our viewers are used to this. It's okay. <laughs> all right, so just bear with me. I'm, I'm uh, in a very spacey apartment, apparently. So we're just going to be tackling the topic of misinformation and disinformation. Again, these are two things that since 2016 have been a really big talking point in our country. We want to provide some information to you all and help break this down and create a conversation as beneficial and that is timely of course so we know everyone here other than christian so christian if you could introduce yourself and uh tell us a little bit about your story oh christian you're muted yeah my fault all right here we go uh well thank you so much for having me on on this uh gathering online show or i don't know how you call it but uh and michael thank you for the invitation uh, i hear that i'm the first guest that this show has had so I'm you are no hopefully, hopefully i won't disappoint and um, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to make you all proud but uh thank you so much again for having me and uh and just as a bit of background uh i am a journalist i have uh written for many, many publications, um, uh, but I'm also a lawyer. Uh, I went to law school, unfortunately, and uh, I don't like to tell people I'm a lawyer, so I kind of keep that, keep that part of my resume hidden from folks. I just tell them I'm a journalist who writes about the law because that's really what I focus on. Uh, right now, I work at the Knight Institute. Uh, the full name of the Institute is the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University. And, and basically that is a, uh, a center house within the university that deals with uh, freedom of speech and association, especially in the digital era. Uh, whenever the government tramples on anyone's uh, freedom to associate, or even if the government goes snooping on journalists who do a lot of their work online, whenever the government does anything to uh, just basically quash your freedoms in the digital space, that's where the Knight Institute comes in. They like to sue people. I don't personally sue anyone. Uh, I just write about the lawsuits, but uh, yeah, that's what they do. And uh, it's, it's really cool to just be in a place where uh, folks just care about uh, our liberties, especially as they relate to people that are marginalized. In my particular case, I'm working on a project uh, called the Border and First Amendment Project. And basically I'm, I'm studying all the ways in which the Trump administration or the US government more generally is uh, cracking down on immigrant communities, immigrant rights activists, on journalists who are covering migration. Uh, and I've just uncovered a lot of things, a lot of ways in which the government doesn't even want, for example, judges who uh, adjudicate or who decide immigration cases to speak publicly. They have a gag order essentially on all immigration judges 
because immigration judges are, are you know, are, are know a lot about how the law works and, and, and they're almost intimidated by their independence. And so basically they don't want them speaking. And uh, so, so it's a very kind of nice job that allows me to write and think about what's happening today. Um, and, um, and before this, uh, and just to make a long story short, I, I've just written for a whole bunch of people, most notably the New York Times. I used to be on the editorial board of the Times writing about the Supreme Court and, and many other issues. Uh, and I've written for New York Magazine, for HuffPost, uh, for The New Yorker, you name it, just Google my name. Or if you ever uh, would like to chat about any of things that I've written, if you find an error in one of my articles, uh, reach out to me. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm a nerd about legal issues and, and, and anything dealing with uh, just kind of how the law and politics intersect in very messy ways. And God knows that they're very much intersected at this point in time, including now that we're dealing with COVID-19 and we're dealing with uh, just all the questions about how our civil rights and liberties even uh matter in this time. Like the fact that we can't leave our houses uh, because there's a public health emergency, that raises civil liberties questions that we never thought, uh, you know, were possible, you know, that you can't leave your house. That's, that's huge, you know? So there are legitimate questions today and, uh, and you know, who knows how they're gonna get resolved, but right now they're, they're very much real and they're playing out in the courts. And, um, and let's just hope that we can all survive this moment. And I think we will, uh, so long as, you know, we, uh, with the right degree of, 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 of suspicion, uh, just listen to what the government says, but also, you know, with our eyes open and being very discerning about the things that are being put out there. Because uh, as the topic for today indicates, uh, people are very prone to falling for uh, misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories. And if we're misinformed or disinformed about the state of the world, uh, the Bible says, you know, uh, the people perish due to a lack of knowledge. So uh, people could die if you don't you know, know what's truth and what isn't. So, uh, anyway, hopefully that was a good intro. Uh, indeed, it was. Um, so, we're just going to get straight into it. Thank you for sharing, Christian. I'm just going to lay down the foundation of the definitions that we have here. And misinformation is defined as false information that is spread, regardless of whether there was an intent to mislead. And disinformation follows as false information that is spread, regardless of whether there is intent to mislead or not. Um. <laughs> I, I, was reading, I was reading books too, and they sounded <laughs> similar. This is, this is when copy and paste doesn't come in handy. So disinformation <laughs> is actually when uh, false information is disseminated intentionally as a way to mislead, as a way to spread propaganda, um, and now I'll never forget the, the definition ever again. So <laughs> the definition was misinformation, or <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, was all part of the, it was all part of the plan. That's it. Um, okay, so we really want to tackle and see how mis slash disinformation. Um, well, first, even before we get into that, Christian, how do you see these definitions similar and different? What is way for in the real world? What is a way for people to really be able to pull these definitions aside and really understand the difference between the two? Because I can understand how, how this could be confusing to someone that's new to the conversation. 
Sure, absolutely. I think the word that most people are familiar with, like say you were born in the year 2016, all you know is 2016 and nothing after that. Misinformation is the word that everyone knows. That's just falsehoods. That's just things that uh, they could be intentionally spread or not, but it's anything that is not true that is spread for the purpose of, you know, maybe misleading, maybe not, but it's just not true. That's the reason websites like Snopes.com exist because of misinformation on the web. It, that mm-hmm. website goes back a long time, uh, even before our crazy times. And whenever you would have a question about, is the story true or not, you would just go to Snopes.com and that's how you find out if that chain email <laughs> that got sent out and people may not know what chain emails are, but yeah, the, these are uh, forward emails that uh, some of the older folks among us, including me, uh, uh, <laughs> used to get back in the day with, you know, uh, it could be crazy stories or prayer chains, so many things. Uh, th- that's misinformation. Uh, and uh, But something happened in 2016 that many people weren't uh, used to or that was very new to us as a nation. And, and what happened in 2016 was that uh, there was a nation state called Russia that took misinformation and then weaponized it against mm. the American public. And uh, uh, of course, uh, that in itself, we didn't know it at the time, but thanks to a huge investigation by uh, Robert Mueller and the Department of Justice and a few indictments that were brought down in the legal system, we learned that uh, specific actors, paid uh, actors, government officials, even uh, people here in the US uh, were unwittingly uh, used for the purposes of spreading uh, misinformation with the aim of uh, ripping apart the American electorate. Uh, the reason the election came down uh, the way it did, it was for several factors. Many people rightfully didn't like any of the candidates, but also because a lot of people were honestly uh, discouraged from voting. Uh, this is information that we'll never know for sure if what Russia did in 2016 tipped the election in favor of one candidate of the other. But one thing's for certain, and this is established truth and no one can question it. And that is, uh, everyone agrees that Russia played a role in dividing Americans uh, and using Facebook, using Instagram, using YouTube, using channels that we use every day to, 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 to just uh, flood the zone, as they say with just stuff about Hillary, about Jews, about Blacks, about Latinos, about immigrants. Uh, and uh, if if Donald Trump already had a very odious message, they took all of that and they amplified it even more on social media. And people started sharing it. Accounts online on Twitter were created for the purpose of posing as American citizens to just divide and mislead and share uh, fake news, that's another term that was coined uh, in 2016 that wasn't a thing before. And uh, and as a result of all of that, you know, now uh, this new word arose after 2016, which is disinformation. Uh, and that is when you knowingly and willfully use falsehoods and you spread it, uh, now knowing that that information is going to have an effect on people. And, uh, and and that's a very new thing. That's a new thing that now in 2020, uh, we have to be very cognizant of and very mindful because uh, if we're not, 
we're going to fall for it. And as a matter of fact, already, uh, because it's an election year, because a lot is at stake in November, uh, a lot of folks, even 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 candidates, are going to take advantage of that. And, and they're going You know, do we lose him? We may have temporarily. Uh-oh. Ooh, there he is. He's back. Hey, he's back. All right. Well, well, I hope you, you could hear uh, most of what I just said. Yeah, it was just like the last few seconds there. Just bring back. All right, cool. Yeah, and as I was saying, because it's the 2020 election, I think now more than at any other time, because so much at stake, uh, a lot of storylines, a lot of old divisions, a lot of um, just th these um, – fault lines in American society along voting rights, along uh, yeah. education, along abortion rights, along gun rights. A lot of all of these quote unquote culture wars uh, mm -hmm. are going to just, uh, you know, all these evil actors are just gonna uh, <laughs> drive a train through it or, or a truck through it. And they're going to, uh, you know, try to make it blow up in our faces. And I just combined like 10 analogies there. Probably <laughs> No, it makes sense. That makes sense. I, I do, so, so I yeah. do want to say, like, you know, we actually had some of the examples, I think, from 2016. You know, the DOJ released this document. Facebook obviously turned over some of the ads that mm -hmm. the IRA used in 2016 yeah. to deceive the, those disinformation ads. So you can probably click add one. I think that uh, oh, not not the metadata uh, the, just right above that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is one of Bernie Sanders as a oh, wow as a hero, as seen as like being depicted. Feel the burn, like literally. Wow. But it, honestly, Christian, like as I was going through a few more of these, you see how this information is used to kind of create, increase like polarization. It's like it's mm. a tool yeah. of like polarization. I think more than anything. Um, there's some really like, just like really sad ones in there, but obviously can you talk a little bit about how like you, you mentioned it, but, but how did they use this, um, in 2016, I think to polarize is what I'm kind of still trying to figure out. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, just, just to use one subgroup of examples, because again, you know, you, you focus on some screenshots there that, uh, look at, uh, Bernie Sanders and gay rights, but uh, to take the subject of Black Lives Matter or uh, racial equality, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, this nation has been a nation that since time immemorial, since its very beginning, was founded on, 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 on you know, just notions of white supremacy, one race being superior than others, you know, yeah. and, 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 and Russia knows this, you know, and uh, one of my former employers, uh, her name is Charlotte Eiffel. She's the president and uh, director of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, not to be confused with the NAACP. The Legal Defense Fund is separate. That's where uh, Thurgood Marshall used to work. I was honored to work there for a little bit. Uh, but one thing that she likes to say, and she has told me personally, she says, Christian, you know, one thing that Russia knows about us is that racism is a national security threat. Uh, mm. that, that racism, it is such a, a, a flashpoint in American society that uh, 
even outsiders, people that are not Americans, know that we're divided along these lines. So they're going to use any means necessary to divide us even more on that point. It's a national security threat in the sense that if we're not protected internally, anyone can come in and just wreak havoc among us. And uh, so anything that separates us, that polarizes us, as you said earlier, uh, whether it's LGBT rights, uh, uh, race relations, uh, police brutality, uh, abortion, uh, immigration, immigration, et cetera, exactly. All of those things, uh, unfortunately, uh, even though uh, you know we are a value-laden society, these are issues where uh, politics plays a huge role and, and we're divided in two camps, left or right. You're either for those things or against those things. You know, it's it's very hard to to toe the line or to just you know have a sensible middle point. And because uh, others know that those are our points of division, they will use ads that amplify those things to drive us further apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so necessarily, the goal is not to get you to vote for Trump or to get you to vote for Joe Biden. The point is to just for us to hate our, each other's guts, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and by hating each other's guts, we're disgusted with everything and we didn't even go to vote, you know what I mean? Because you say, oh, they're all the same, I'm not even gonna bother, and that's exactly what they want. They wanna, th- that's how they want to suppress your vote, by not getting to go to the polls in the, in the first place. Because they want yeah. you to think that everyone is the same, that they're all corrupt and that you're all the same. You yeah. shouldn't even take part of any of it because by taking part of it, you're legit legitimizing the whole thing. And if they get you to not vote, then mission accomplished. They have effectively, the Russians or whoever else has effectively suppressed your vote because you fell for exactly what they wanted you to fall for. Mm. Man, I want to uh, tag on to part of the question that Garrison asked. Um, I read a very... Uh, in some ways, disturbing article surrounding this topic, and it was centered specifically around that 2015 to 17 um, time frame. And they focused a lot of their attention where, like you said, we we placed so much emphasis on Facebook, but so many of these Russian hacks and attacks uh, were on things like Google, they were on Instagram, they were on Twitter, um, they're on YouTube with the, the type of, of uh, suggestions that you see on your YouTube feed. And I think one of the things that really frightened me was when they broke down the amount of interaction some of these like Russian bots were getting on these social media platforms. They gave some examples of even some of the more polarizing uh, conversations that we were having, like Colin Kaepernick, and you had Russian Twitter accounts that were posting things on both sides of the spectrum here, where whether it was hashtag Tiffany or hashtag, um, you know, respect the flag. And you would have tens of thousands of people on either side of the spectrum interacting with these social media accounts, and they have no idea uh, who they're interacting or what they're contributing to. Uh, I guess my question would be is when it comes to these uh, polarizing uh, topics that will always come up, what is the safest way to engage in these conversations on on social media? Because I think that that's part of the danger where uh, I've, I've been shared things and, you know, 
there is some slight concern that like, all right, is this, a, is this someone trolling? Is it a hack? Is it a real person? Like now these questions are, are constantly being thrown up in the air. And I'm not really sure what is the, the appropriate way to navigate on social media now because we don't know what is real or not. Right, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, thank you for bringing up that distinction at the beginning of, of your intervention, uh, which was that, yeah, maybe 2016 and 17 was all about Facebook and Twitter, maybe a little bit of Instagram, but Facebook is all news now for these more sophisticated yeah. actors. You know, uh, now you have TikTok, you have, you know, uh, Snapchat. There's some of them that I, honestly I don't use and I don't even know how to use, uh, but I see the content, you know, and, and, and I'm on Twitter all the time. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's what, what is true about this upcoming election, you know, and sorry to come back to the election uh, subject, uh, because the, the main goal of any foreign actor wanting to interfere with our self-determination, our self-governance, self-governance, our right to vote, is to not get you to vote. Uh, you know, and so anything, anything that accomplishes that goal, they're going to turn to those tactics. And, uh, you know, one thing that personally, uh, you know, I would do, and this is just purely on a personal level, because you have personal things that we could do, but there are also structural things that we can demand from these platforms, and that government also should demand from these platforms because they're the government. They're the ones who should be regulating some of these spaces. And I know that there are First Amendment concerns as well because, you know, we all have a right to express ourselves. But uh, whenever there are, uh, you know, foreign actors or nation states doing this stuff, you know, we all agree that, you know, the freedom of speech is different. It shouldn't apply to to, to those actors. But, yeah, as far as the personal, uh, how do do you – uh, protect yourself from that. Uh, well, the first thing is just to be well read. You know, uh, if you're just a person who, uh, you know, shares memes thoughts thoughtlessly, or who, uh, you know, just kind of uses social media for entertainment purposes, perhaps you may be more prone to sharing things that aren't true. Uh, you know, and and now that images are so easy to manipulate, uh, videos or deep fakes are things that are now happening. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but the president of the United States shared a, a doctor video of Joe Biden a couple of days ago, uh, sticking his tongue out or something, you know? Uh, so, you know, when, 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 uh, when you see even the leader of the free world spreading yeah. wild things online or retweeting things that other people tweet at him, you know, of course, Crazy. you have, you have to uh, be mindful, you know? And yeah. if you, and if you know that the U S president, is uh, you know uh, the kind of person that shares information like that? You know that to avoid the content even in his own feed, it's a crazy thing to say. You know, but you have to almost identify who are the bad actors from the legitimate ones. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and I personally, you're not gonna believe this. I have uh, Trump blocked on my Twitter feed. I don't want to see his tweets. Wow. If I need to see something for work purposes, I'll. It's a little hard when you block someone. You have to take an extra few steps to, to read. Wow. You know, but I do it because, again, because yeah. I work in news and because I know that everyone's going to be retweeting his content onto my feed. Yeah. I don't want to see ninety-five percent of it. So you know, I, I just haven't blocked, and it's good both for my mental health. It also mm-hmm. helps me to not be in a blinding rage for half of the day. So, uh, so yeah, you know, so I, it, it, 
if there's particular kind of content or people or actors, because you know we know all, we all know who the you know the Candace Owenses of the world are, and yeah. who oh all my. these other, <laughs> you know. Oh boy. Uh, so, so you know, uh, so, finally some truth to the conversation. <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so we know who these people are. So you know, I think a, 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 a self-protective thing we could do is just the Odyssey. You know, if it's not going to help the discourse, just block them uh, and, uh, yeah. and encourage others to to do the same because again, it helps a lot. It cleans up uh, your yeah. your social media experience. Uh, and if you're a consumer of news, as I am, you know, it, it also kind of makes your life easier. Um, now, um, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just I just want to cut in because yeah. I know we're, we're running out of time. Uh, I wanted to make sure we did jump into present day in terms of COVID nineteen and how this and misinformation is affecting um, the response to this pandemic. Uh, what long lasting effects these terrible ways of communicating are going to be you know, uh, felt well into the future and how we personally can respond to it. So I know you're talking to Adrian a little bit about how we can better understand information, how we can do more to protect ourselves. So you can start there and maybe work your way back in terms of how do we do this in the context of COVID-19. Sure. Uh, so um, uh, as far as timing, real quick, uh, we can go a few extra minutes. If I have to hop off, I'll let you know. So let's just keep mm -hmm. talking. Cool. Cool, great, perfect, um, perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I was telling a, a journalist last week uh, during an interview that if COVID-19 has done something to our public discourse and our ability to talk to each other is that those fault lines that I was talking about a few moments ago, you know, all those things that are polarizing in American society, they've become even more pronounced now in this mm -hmm. day and age, you know, because there's the added fear of the economy, of the fact that many of us can move around freely, of the fact that you know we may have cabin fever because we're indoors so much. Uh, you know, uh, as a society, we may be becoming more paranoid about just things that are happening in the world, and with good reason. It's it's a it's a very uh, scary time to live in right now. That cannot be denied. But even more so for that reason, we have to be extremely more cautious about the things that we read, the information that we consume and, and, and whom we turn to for our information. Because, uh, you know, even I've had family members who tell me, Christian, I don't know whom to believe these days, you know, and uh, I don't know, yeah. you know, uh, who I should turn to. And, uh, and so they may be looking to us for guidance and for reassurance. And if, if your family members are people of faith, uh, which I assume they are, I, I, would, I would first and foremost just tell people, do not, above, all, above anything else, do not give in to a spirit of fear. Uh, because you know, the minute you do that, you, know, you just open yourself up to all other kinds of mischief uh, and, and, and you just become a target. The reality is that Christians, believers are more prone to falling for disinformation, misinformation, conspiracy theories, and the like, even though, you know, uh, in theory, Christians should be the ones who shouldn't be moved by these things. They should be, you know, more centered and, and, and kind of uh, be able to be a light and, and, and a guide to other people who don't have, uh, you know, the knowledge of God and Christ in their lives. So, uh, so yeah, so first and foremost, do, do not give in to the spirit of fear. Uh, and, and, and I know that th that may sound easier 
said than done again because of everything everything uh that's going on uh but uh you know uh if, if there's someone who who truly uh you know faced scary situations uh in life uh you know it was it was it was jesus himself so uh he, he's a person who did not waver when other people left them all alone and yeah he felt fear he felt like he was abandoned but he never let go of that truth that he held on to so uh first and foremost that, that's the most uh, important thing above anything else and of course after that is following the guidelines from your local government uh yeah. i i do not deny that people have a right to question the government to protest i mean i work for a first amendment organization you should have that right to always uh you know uh, second guess what the government feeds you uh but at the same time you know we are if anything we are called to be sensible to not uh just make it worse for folks and and the reason why more than anyone we should be the ones uh just try to not to be sidelined or to be quiet but just to be more measured in the way we share or talk about these things is that if you don't and if you just fall for all the nonsense that's out there you know the that talking about the the Wuhan virus or the fact that this was created as a bioweapon in a lab or that 5G networks are the reason why uh you know COVID-19 exists I'm telling you there's so many crazy conspiracy theories out there if you become a party to that is that that more than anything that affects your witness to others and people will think that your faith and your religion is a joke and they wouldn't even want any part of it because you're the one that's you know sounding like a crazy person so uh uh if anything you need to protect uh the way you interact and talk to others because you don't want the ultimate message that you stand for to suffer so uh so yeah i guess that's that's my answer to your question what is that uh when you think through that conversation because I I agree with you. I, I resonate a lot with what you're saying, but there is this other side that um, exists within our framework, and we say like, you know, be careful not to believe conspiracy theories, or be careful not to believe, you know, this idea of fake or misinformation or fake news. But we have a literal leader of our country yeah. that pushes yeah. this narrative. I mean, yeah. uh, some of the stuff, and and the thing the thing about Trump that's so intriguing to me is that one day he'll be he's all about his base. He's all about making sure he makes someone feel like they're cared for. And so he'll tell them to protest and then he'll get mad at Georgia for talking about reopening all in the same breath because he knows that the protesters will stick with them and this, and then the other group will as well, you know, and so on and so forth. He just wants people to stay encouraged and happy. And you talk about, you know, kind of staying clear of this, but how do you feel that we should kind of navigate through my Facebook feed is full of people that actually believe some of the conspiracies, they believe that maybe this was created in a bio lab. They believe that uh, the government doesn't have the right to do this. They believe that they're doing it to spread a new world order, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, it's it's really easy uh, for us to say, hey, don't believe conspiracy theories, but we literally have a whole, maybe not a whole party, but a lot of conservative lawmakers that are pushing some of these same ideas um right into the public space and public spectrum how do you feel is the best way to navigate through that and make people feel that you don't dislike them or their opinions but but maybe that they're kind of buying into something that's that's actually created to harm them or to lie to them to misinform them 
Yeah, it's very difficult, I'm gonna be honest, you know, because even people that I know and that I respect and even people that I've interacted with uh, on a personal level, I've seen some of that commentary and I've seen, you know, the, just uh, the sharing of some of these ideas. And it's disheartening, you know, it's disheartening because these are people with whom you have broken bread with. These are people that, uh, you know, outside of this crazy time that we're in, they're really lovely, normal people. They're people who, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. you, hope, you hope that you can continue uh, sharing life with, and hopefully you're walking together towards a common goal, you know? And, uh, you know, in, in a sense, uh, I would just try to remind everyone, uh, and I know it, 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 it is, again, again, it's harder said than done, that the in just sometimes you just have to tell people that the internet is not real life, that everything, yeah. <laughs> everything you see and hear on the internet is not true. And maybe, uh, yeah. maybe for the sake of, their own uh, sanity and and the, and everyone else just to log off and go take a long walk, you know, because honestly, <laughs> because, or, because honestly, you know, it, it's, it's, or, 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 or just go back to sharing pictures of your dog or kids, just <laughs> things that are, things that are totally harmless because in the That's end- That's my new line. Know, hey, could you post your dog next time? <laughs> yeah, can you go back to that? Can, can you go back to that? Um, and again, going back to the the, the topic of, of self-care and, and, and just not going crazy, it's okay. Uh, you don't have to unfriend some of these people on Facebook, but you can mm. block them and do other things <laughs> so, that, so that they don't know that you don't see their content. Oh yeah, mute them, uh, mute their content. Uh, mute mute yeah. them, et cetera. It's, it's necessary you know, sometimes. I got a long mute list, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's, it's, it's not to be disrespectful. Uh, again, a lot of it also can be generational. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, depending on how old you are, you may be more prone to misinformation. I know my mom shares crazy things on WhatsApp. Uh, uh, in South America, my family's from South America, they love WhatsApp. Anyway, I get, I get lots of messages on WhatsApp from my mom, and I have to tell her, Mom, this is not real. You shouldn't be sharing yeah. this. Please, please stop. I tell her, and she listens to me, and, and she agrees. And uh, I'm not always successful, but sometimes you just have to speak truth into people, and especially if you have a closer relationship with them, don't be afraid to, to, to knock some sense into them. And if you do it with the right spirit, you'll be surprised. Uh, they might be more receptive that if you just kept your mouth shut and didn't say anything. So, uh, hey, maybe, especially if there's someone that for whose health and, and spiritual being you care about, maybe you're just called to uh, talk to them and, and, and approach them in, in, a very, uh, in a very respectful but Christ-centered way. Yeah, you know, I just wanna jump in on that, Christian. I totally agree. I, I have family members who also share some very, very, you know, like wild stuff that's just not true. I've had, <laughs> I've had a literal argument with a family member who believes that 5G is to blame for the oh, coronavirus, for COVID-19. <laughs> so it's just crazy, it's crazy. But you know, oh, I think what I, what I learned in some of these conversations is that like this is a symptom of some deeper, more foundational, I guess, epistemological issues of like how you know what you know. And I think when you have this apocalyptic in time worldview, like most of our viewers, most of our, our, our friends and, and family members who are Seventh-day Adventists would have, 
you try to fit everything into this apocalyptic lens or this apocalyptic category where every single thing is somehow playing into this ultimate like mark of the beast or like mm -hmm. you know new world order and even and so people capitalize off of that like they take that that fervor and that christian propensity towards conspiracy and distrust of government and they capitalize off of it by sharing I, what I believe to be little bits of like misinformation or disinformation to undermine people's like contact points with reality. I mean, I, I just read recently, and I don't know about you guys, but I got the email or I got the call and text message from friends who all of them somehow had an auntie or an uncle or a cousin who worked at the Pentagon or the Department of <laughs> yep. Homeland Security yeah. and CDC. And they were all made aware uh, on this inside information that, you know, a couple days from now, the government's going to shut down and like law. everything's going to, martial law is going to be enacted. Mm -hmm. And I just read ahead. I just read an article saying that that was China. It was China acting yeah to distribute that information. And so many, I can't tell you how many people called me and texted me that, that Bro. piece of disinformation. And, and, yeah. and thankfully like case. technology, <laughs> yeah, right. And, and thankfully technology is getting better where like we can kind of track those things and get that information out within a few weeks. And now we know what to look out for. But so many people were stirred into a fervor, which now other bad actors can capitalize off of and say this and undermine this thing. And that thing's a lie and that thing's a lie. So. So it's it's tough because there's so many things coming at us at once. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, uh, my mom shared a, a picture, I think, uh, from Texas with some ladies showing a sign saying that the vaccine will be a chip and I will not accept it or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, and again, you know, and, and, if, and again, that kind of uh, dovetails and kind of uh, works right with what you just said that we have this, uh, you know, end times perspective on issues, mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that the vaccine might be a chip, you know, kind of plays right into that, and uh, and that whoever gets the chip gets cured, and if you don't, uh, sorry or whatever. Uh, so uh, anyway, so yeah, it's 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 really sad, and and it, and it really makes you think, and 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 more than anything, for people that know better, uh, when they see. Uh, the believing world sharing these things, you know, again, it, it harms, it harms the ultimate message. Uh, and, uh, and it's just uh, disadvantageous for everybody. Uh, uh, I had an, another thought. Uh, I'm, I'm losing it at the moment. But anyway, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm an old school person, you know, I, I would uh, <laughs> tell folks, hey, look, if you don't know what something is, and sometimes I even have to use it myself, I go to Snopes.com, that's my go-to thing. That's the one that I've been going to for decades and it's been there and continues to be the goal. that's liberal, I've seen it. I've seen a thing yes, that it's a exactly. liberal page. Exactly, <laughs> and that's that's precisely what uh, they're trying to have you believe, that that Snopes is this, uh, you know, part of the deep state. Fake news. You know what I mean? It's a deep uh, state and I've seen it on the news. Uh, Logan's mimicking family right now. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's in middle America, so he's detoxing right now. <laughs> I'm triggered. You to talk about Snopes. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and the Bible does say that we have to, uh, you know, um, uh, examine everything and retain that which is good, you know. Mm -hmm. So 
it's it's we are called to be discerning more than anything, and and I yeah. think uh, we we should just take that advice. You know that uh, we you know we don't necessarily have to shield ourselves from all of it. We need to kind of have a a vague knowledge and understanding of what these conspiracy theories are, uh, because again, uh, the only way to combat and to fight back is to just uh, with truth. You know, this, the same as uh, this is a, a First Amendment principle. Uh, maybe Mike has heard it that you know uh, the reason the reason is the reason we don't let the government ban misinformation outright uh, is because the way you fight lies, the way you fight falsehoods, you don't fight bad speech with censorship. You fight bad speech with better good speech, speech. Yeah. You, with better okay. speech, with better discourse, you know? And, 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 and that's the way to, to, to fight these things is with more truth into the world, uh, not by clicking the button and having all these folks go away. Although I must confess that I'm 100% in support of private companies, not the government, shutting down or deactivating crazy people's accounts if they feel like, like Alex Jones, for example. Alex uh, Jones is, yeah. If, yeah, <laughs> they're making their own decision. If, yeah, if private companies want to ban crazy people for whatever reason they deem necessary for their business and for the health of everyone else, I'm all for it. Um, it it's a little weirder when the government does it, but yeah, when, when, uh, when it's private companies, hey, go for it. Um, so yeah. I, I did want to jump in real quick before I, I know Christian. Thank you. You're you're even over the time you said you'd spend with us, but I, I did want to make maybe a quick comment on a couple of the issues that we uh, have been talking about, and then maybe move into that last question, Jordan, uh, before before Christian leaves us. Um, but but one of the things I was interesting actually, a colleague of mine from Andrews, uh, Steve Yeagley, works in our student life department and also teaches in the seminary, he shared an article in the comments, uh, which if you're on Facebook, you can see, just, just scroll up to that comment, uh, which talked about how conservative Christians in particular are much more susceptible for misinformation and disinformation. And one of the things that the article talked about, and it, it's really interesting, you know, the, the author followed um, both a, um, a small group, a Christian small group, as well as a uh, so a group of conservative students on a higher education campus. I forget which one right now. Um, but she talked about how when she was interviewing uh, the students and, and these church members, there 100% of them, so basically all of the people that she interviewed, they talked about how the primary source for their fact-checking was Google. And, and I think one of the issues today is that there is a fundamental um, maybe misnomer about the existence of Google and why it exists. You know, Google in and of itself is not there to fact check you per se. You know, Google's way to, Google's actually incentivized in helping you find what you want to find. And so it's it's all based upon the keywords you're putting in, the search terms, the things you're trying to look for. And, and there's this idea that if I can find a link to some article on the internet written by whoever, which says what I wanted to say, then I can throw that in my group chat. I can throw that in the Facebook comments. I can text that to that person or private message them before they block me uh, to try to <laughs> counteract what they've been saying. Just because Google, you know, spit out a, a link to me which says what I wanted to say, and, and I'm not scrolling down further for anything that says anything different because it's pulling up similar similar results 
not giving you a cross section of perspectives. And so, right. um, and, and what they did in the article was it compared, and the reason why they said conservative Christians are so susceptible to it is because it very much mirrors the way that we proof text arguments for theology and religious mm-hmm. doctrine. And, you know, it, oh, it's not about, you know, what this person says or that person says, but if I can find this verse, which my particular camp has interpreted this particular way, and I can just throw that up against your interpretations all day, and I don't have to move off my position because I found a proof text which says what I wanted to say in a vacuum. And so therefore, uh, we could disagree to disagree or continue disagreeing and, and nobody moves anywhere. And so right. uh, folks are, what's scary though, is that now people are applying that not to what they believe to be, you know, the inspired word of God, but to a link on their screen on the internet, <laughs> you know, right. Google, you know, it, as if Google's their God, you know? And, and so I think if we don't understand or get to a point where there's some general understanding around how to find primary reliable sources as opposed to just a link on the screen, we're going to continue to have, you know, this back and forth and we're going to continue to be susceptible to foreign governments or bad actors continuing to have us hurling, you know, garbage at one another. And we're just not going to get anywhere productive. Sure. Yeah. Uh, What uh, I know that I may have given perhaps uh, private platforms too much credit with my earlier answer, but the reality uh, with Google, with Facebook, with YouTube, with Twitter, uh, wherever you have to sign up and put in information about yourself, they these people have all your life in a database somewhere. They have a perfect picture of your moves, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, they have pretty much a data file on, on who you are as a person. And, and all they're doing when you're inputting information into these platforms is basically give them, every data stroke in, into each of these platforms is more data that they retain about you and who you are as a person. And of course, in many instances, what you find, it will reflect precisely the kinds of things that you've been searching before. It'll be a huge, echo chamber into mm. ideas that you've already fed into and, uh, and, and nothing necessarily that will challenge uh, those preconceived ideas and those worldviews. So of course, if what you find in some weird website that nobody has heard of confirms some of those word spheres, these sites are gonna spit it right back at you uh, mm. because they don't care. They don't care about necessarily you finding the truth and you being free from the truth, as the Bible says, they care about their bottom line. Uh, these platforms only care about making money off of you. And I don't mean necessarily you buying things off of the web, because many people don't necessarily buy things on the web, but just by you finding uh, or giving them information that they can then exploit right. and sell to others and use against you. In that sense, Google is not your friend, Amazon is not your friend, Facebook is not your friend. Every single platform where you input information into, they just care about your data and they don't care about your privacy, they don't care about your uh, your health or your uh, mental well-being, they just care about how to use all that information that you give to them for free Yeah. so then they can monetize it and sell it and profit off of it. So, uh, so yeah, uh, do not use Google as a source for uh, confirming uh, 
information that you hear or that you uh, find in an email chain. Uh, always take everything that you read with a with a grain of salt and be very perceptive, uh, because again, these sites do not want you to find truth. They just want to make money off of you. That's good. That's very good. Honestly, I feel like we should just have you talk for the rest of the time, and everyone will just listen. <laughs> can, I, can I say one more thing? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think people should also, you know, uh, alongside being very uh, uh, just uh, be very suspicious of all of these tech platforms is to, you know, get involved and really, uh, you know, if and I'm not going to tell you to go to law school, please don't go to law school. But, uh, <laughs> no, but, don't. Please don't. <laughs> but, but please do read up on, on these tech platforms. Get interested in how monopolies are formed. Uh, be very suspicious of giving more money to Amazon because that company doesn't have your best interests at heart at all. And uh, mm. and just uh, look for ways in which you can get involved and get your government to be very suspicious, the states to be suspicious of these companies. If there's opportunities to break them up into smaller parts, I think it would be even better, uh, you know, just for many things. Uh, just think of all the companies or local little shops that are being being ran out of business by all these giants uh, that can, uh, you know, just uh, uh, sell these other things for pennies or to Bernie use- Bernie Sanders has entered the show. Yeah, or to use uh, what, what all those <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, yeah, think about ways that we can better uh, just improve the way things are right now. Because if COVID-19 has revealed anything about American society, is that there's a lot of messed up things uh, with healthcare, there's a lot of messed up things with uh, how people make their money, minimum wage, and think of all the things that people are struggling with right now. That's just the result of all the disregard that we have had for just regular folks. It's crazy that our essential workers, essential, quote unquote, are people that we never ever stopped to think twice about before, but now we're calling them essentials and heroes, et cetera, et cetera. When in yeah. reality, we never cared about them in the first place. Right. But they're truly the people that are sustaining us right now. These mm. these folks uh, deserve more than just a little pat on the back and calling them heroes. They deserve a living wage and many other things. Uh, so yeah. I just hope that um, whoever's listening to this rant by me now, that they truly <laughs> uh, think more deeply about all of these things ailing our society. Uh, and that takes many of us uh, to improve these things. Amazing. Amazing. To, amazing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, if I could just go off. I, I wanted to kind of touch on something that I was hearing a lot from uh, particularly, you know, what Garrison was saying and even what, what Logan touched at earlier with some of the things that uh, uh, Donald Trump has uh, said, whether it's verbally or on his Twitter account. I think there there's also like another aspect that I, I don't know if we have like fully uh, wrestled with. Um, I think we don't really uh, realize like, or we may realize like how dangerous uh, right-wing media can often be uh, to so many of our friends and loved ones. I remember I was watching this, this episode of, of John Oliver and he, he broke down like the, the, the Russ, Russ Limbaugh's and the, the Candace Owens and the Sean Hannity's and the, the, the Tucker Carlson's they bring in millions and millions of viewers every single day. And uh, 
uh, he talks about, this is John Oliver, he talks about how uh, in the last like 15 to 20 years, so many of these right-wing commentators and, and, and conversationalists on places like Fox News, they have sown doubt in places like science, politics, he said education, conversations that deal with uh, polarizing topics like uh, race, sexuality, immigration. And it's gotten to the point where we've seen that when Trump comes forward in his campaign and he says in 2016 that CNN is fake news, that resonates with so many people because Trump is simply reaffirming something that had been sown into them mm. for decades. So now we've reached this point, like you said, where you've got this fact-checking website, but that is not seen as truth anymore. That is seen as partisanship. And that, I, I feel like we're, we're at this dangerous place now where you've got this giant right-wing company that is continuing to uh, indoctrinize their viewers into thinking that nothing else outside of this channel will bring you truth. And whenever you hear something else, it is seen as propaganda. It is seen as, as, as lies. It's seen as liberal. It's seen as something that's being pushed from the left. And I think that's, that's part of some of the danger that I've seen in, in some of my friends and family is that I don't know how to present truth to them mm. without them interpreting it as something liberal because it it some of these things don't even have to be partisan but i feel like when you've got this this thing this machine just pushing out that right-wing agenda constantly it's like how, how are we supposed to fight against that yeah uh, and i wish i had the answer to that if i did uh you know i'd probably start my own show and become very famous <laughs> I, you know it's 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 truly heartbreaking you know and and there are testimonials out there, I've read an article or two saying how basically uh, a lot of this um, right-wing infotainment machine, as some people like to call it, uh, you know, it's truly dividing families apart and, 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 and it's driving, it's causing a rift between parents and children and aunts and uncles. And, you know, a lot of it is generational, as, as I said earlier, but it, it is truly hurtful to actual families that honestly cannot see each other, not even across uh, a dinner table because of, of these differences. And when uh, and 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 I would I would suggest again it's it's not foolproof it's not the be all end all but uh, if you can you know if people can have a frank conversation with people that they love and 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 be like hey I can't believe that 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 a news channel is, is driving us apart and and to get people to think about that the implications of that I hope that that uh, would spur some change I know I've had similar conversations uh, in my personal life. And, and, and it can be touchy sometimes, it's not an easy subject to broach. Uh, but again, the idea is to always be very well read, to always maintain the composure, to never raise your tone of voice, to never get agitated. Because the moment they even sense that your blood pressure is kind of going up uh, and, and you're getting defensive about things, uh, and you should, because again, this is, some of this stuff could be life or death, and it could be really meaningful to folks. There's a you can be passionate about it, 
the, the problem with passion is that sometimes it can get the best of you. So uh, you always, as much as possible, <laughs> ask the Lord to give you wisdom and, and to uh, to keep your cool about these things. Uh, I have been able, uh, not so much to change people's minds, because that's very difficult, but sometimes to diffuse a conversation. Uh, sometimes it is better to walk away and to preserve a relationship than to, uh, you know, cause more damage to getting into these protracted fights. Uh, was he raptured? Awesome. <laughs> uh, he was he was elevating us. It may it may have happened. I don't know. Oof. Oh, 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 gone, gone, gone. Oh, oh man, gone, I'll tell you. Yo, that's crazy. They kicked him off. He was like, Yeah, we'll kick you he off. Speaking free too much, <laughs> huge, huge thank you to Christian. Thank you, uh, so much, Christian. Sorry for the untimely exit, but we really do appreciate him being on the show. We did have a question about uh, systemic oppression and how this last misinformation is currently fueling our um, current power structures, those structures that are oppressing black and brown people in this country. So since Christian isn't here, we're gonna have to Voltron up. I don't know if you guys have seen the show, it's a great show. Voltron up and uh, try our best to engage on that topic. <laughs> Shout out, to Hashtag take it. <laughs> I think, I think Christian might actually be back. Oh, good, good. Oh, good. So we, we can get a better like a better goodbye. Hey, bro. Hey guys. There we go. Yeah, there you're back. back. Hey, on us. Sorry about that. Um, I don't know good. what happened, uh, but uh, uh, I, I think that you may have moved on to another subject. But anyway, uh, just to finish the thought that I had before, just you know, uh, ask the Lord to arm you with patience, to arm you with the words. Uh, in the end, I think the most important thing is to uh, bridge gaps, not to divide us further. So uh, just just uh, uh, be well read up, ask for uh, wisdom, and, and then just impart truth whenever necessary. You don't have to impart truth all the time or to get the last word. Uh, uh, yeah, you don't know how many times I delete my Facebook comments. I'm like, I typed it all out and I'm like, Never mind. Let me just let me just have it. a good day. Yeah. Especially if it's before 10 a.m., I'm deleting that comment. I'm not I don't have time <laughs> to be in that all day long just battling with somebody and them not listen to me. It's miserable. But no, yeah, it's it's time consuming. And you know, uh, if you saw my Twitter drafts, you wouldn't believe so many things, <laughs> so many things that never get tweeted. Because again, a lot of times you don't need to uh, you know, put your thoughts out there. Uh so uh, so yeah, so just uh, in the end, uh, think about your own well-being and that of the people that you love most. And uh, nine out of nine times out of ten, uh, you don't have to post that comment or that response to someone else's comment. So uh, you know, nine. Anyway. I'm say like seven or eight, but whatever. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But uh, hey, uh, hopefully this has been a helpful conversation. Thank you guys for inviting me, uh, and it, it's been really cool to get to spend this afternoon with you. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Appreciate thank, you coming on the show. Bro. Appreciate thank you coming through. Thanks, man. Thanks a yep. lot. Best. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so uh, no, once again, uh, thank you to Christian for coming on 
affirmative interaction, uh, we're just going to now quickly pivot to how systemic oppression is fueled by this slash misinformation. Mm -hmm. Then after that, we're gonna do a slight debrief of what has happened uh, with our time with Christian. Uh, anyone jump in when you can. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's like an obvious, we talked about it a little bit in 2016, Donald Trump literally got elected on the narrative attacking brown people on our southern border, build a wall, build a wall. He did it for, for a year of election. I know that it was very clearly, and, and it, when you talk to people that fight the undocumented immigration fight, they say Black Lives Matter paved the way so that they could feel that they could actually voice their thing. And we've seen this misinformation calling, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mexican immigrants, undocumented immigrants, rapists, thieves, like this narrative spread by the president, which then is spread through the camps of his, his followers. I mean, I think you, we could talk about systemic ailment on that level time for, for hours and how we're still seeing it in our political spectrum. And then we we talked about guys like Tucker Carlson, who literally pushes this narrative that, that white culture is some superior culture that's better, wow. greater, and should be the one deciding factor for, for everything, which is just like, I mean, that conversation there's puppets there's presidents like it's it's really deep for sure yeah i think i think if you're gonna you know talk about the way in which disinformation or even misinformation is fueling systemic oppression you can look at american history and see the way that disinformation has informed policy and policy fuels okay. oppression. I mean, to to yeah. to determine scientifically okay. that black people are genetically and biologically inferior beings leads to the policy that determines that we are, you know, three fifths of a human being. It leads to the way in which the black community is policed because we are scientifically, you know, at the time determined to be savages and brutes. So, you know, this is a law. Oh, there it is. Muted. My headphones died. So disinformation <laughs> has had man, man, the de de devil busy, bro. Devil busy. Today. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Tommy Lauren is busy right now. <laughs> she is so busy. No, but I mean, I think you get the point. I mean, yeah, I end up, and I think Logan brings an excellent point of the way in which disinformation in the modern era has been used to talk, like to to paint this negative picture of immigrants when we know that immigrants are a self-selecting group that they benefit the country that they go to because they have determined they have the determination to do so like we know that they benefit our country and yet this misinformation and disinformation has led us to let some people to conclude that immigrants are somehow a nuisance or somehow terrible for the country it's very it's obvious that that it fuels oppression in some very you know direct tangible ways yeah i, I want to piggyback off of that and and maybe even bring in a comment from from Esther. Shout out to Esther. I, I love this comment here. Battle? Uh, hey, yeah, Adrian. You know, you know. Shout out. She single. <laughs> um, <laughs> Literally no. Uh, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, oppressed people already have a historically founded mistrust in systems, and that actually is interesting. I had a. I, I listened into a webinar today on the topic of hate crimes, and in this webinar. They were talking about, um, and, and I'm not going to say the locale necessarily. I mean, y'all know where I live, but it, it was a webinar on the topic, and they had folks 
at the federal level, state level, local level. And someone was running through the data and, and she was very good. But And she talks about one of the more alarming things about hate crimes is that uh, based off of the studies that they've done on the occurrence of hate crimes, only 3% it's estimated are even reported to the local, poli you know, to oh, the local wow. police level, 3%. Wow. And so during this webinar, the, the constant frame was like, well, you know, because there are people that are part of like local nonprofits and community action groups and things like that on the the webinar. And so you you have the, these law enforcement folks from the different levels saying we, we need more reporting. You know, three percent is too low. You, you got to encourage folks to report these hate crimes. And um, I submitted a question in which I just posited, you know, could it be possible that you're only seeing three percent? um reporting rates of these crimes because there's no trust that local state or federal law enforcement will actually do anything about those those things mm -hmm. that you're reporting you know it, it is mm -hmm. distrust and mistrust in some way a factor in, in in the reality that these things just go underreported because the assumption is just well you know these things have happened they continue to happen we, we, we talk about, you know, social media. We see them on social media. We see it on the news. We see these things happening and, and, and no one's held accountable for them. And, and the mis and disinformation about black and brown folks and other minority people groups, which, it, you know, imputes them with faults in all these different scenarios, which therefore means that their lives can be taken. Their lives can be degraded. Uh, they can be locked up, whatever the case may be. Uh, because of these embedded beliefs we have about, well, it just must be their fault. And so after a while, when you're a part of that community and, and you're receiving those messages and you're seeing it happen to you and those around you, you, you start to say, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to try to figure it out on my own. They're, they're not they're not doing it for us like they say they would or, or that they're doing for other people. And so why why should I just automatically trust that, that things are going to be different for me just because it's me? when I see it happening to everyone else in my community. Yeah. Yeah. No. Man, Nixon. Go, go, ahead, go ahead, Adrian. That's good. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I, I think it, it also reminded me of, I I remember John Stewart making this great point that you, you have these uh, uh, places like uh, conservative outlets and right-wing media that have a tendency to uh, oversimplify some of these more uh, complicated issues surrounding race, uh, surrounding sexuality. And when you oversimplify it, so much prejudice comes out of it. When you, when you look at uh, uh, police brutality in uh, a specific neighborhood, spreading that misinformation by oversimplifying the complexities surrounding it, it just further pushes the prejudice on those particular people. Because now you've got this group of people that say, well, if they had just stopped running or there's more violence in this neighborhood, then none of these problems would exist. And I think that that is also part of the concern that I've seen with misinformation is that it prohibits us from having proper conversation because the, the right information that is needed to have a proper conversation is never there. The, the way that people are being framed 
on the on the co- the concept of race or the concept of of immigration is so poorly given, but they don't even realize that they've been misinformed on on these topics, and that there's there's always this constant disconnect that happens in those conversations. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I mean, I see it a lot because you know, obviously, the most misinformed people that I that you're going to deal with around race, black and brown people, are going to be white folk. Of course, but like there, there's so much interesting realities within that conversation, and it's only interesting because it's true, not because it's like it's good. But you know, the conversation of race, we'll see them misinform these people about black and brown people, saying that they're this or that. You know, they'll mm-hmm. push the stereotype that they're negative, that they're negative, that they're negative. But then you'll see those same voices that just misinformed that group, and, and they'll tell that group. And they have nothing to complain about because we have equality and the ability to get, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And so then you'll see these people and they'll say, what are they complaining about? It's all self like misconceived. Like they're, they're believing this about themselves. And I hear that all the time where they're like, you know, the oppression that the black and brown people believe in is fake, right? Like that's not real. They're, they're making this up their victim mentality. It's this, continue pushing, I'm always like, wait, so I don't understand how people could say like, I'm gonna get information negatively about these people. And then also from that same person, get right. information that's going to tell me about what their life is like and how, and it's yeah. like, wait, how did this person become an expert for you to not only mm-hmm. make you hate them, but also make you like think that they're equal to you in society. And it's, it's really ugly. Um, for sure, but really, if if any of y'all want to speak to that like idea a little bit, I would love to hear um, your thoughts. Yeah. Okay, so if anyone wants to comment on what Logan said, super quick, um, we can, and then we will transition to PMI to close out. I I know I kind of slightly cut off Garrison there. I I didn't want to give him a chance if he wanted to to cut in there and make a few points. No, I really, I mean, you guys have really touched on all of it, you know, in your own way. So, I mean, I, I just appreciate what has been said. I mean, I, I think just kind of drilling back down, com- coming off of what Nick said, black and brown people have every reason to distrust the medical community, uh, to distrust the system. That's also coming off of what Esther said and what Dave is kind of talking about. We have every reason to, and yet it is imperative that we don't in these times, which is just mm-hmm. such a, a really tough dichotomy to navigate. But I mean, stereotypes are one of the most pervasive forms of disinformation, white supremacist dis- disinformation, especially t- stereotypes about black and brown people. And, and, and acknowledging and recognizing that we realize that policy is born out of that and, and the system perpetuates itself. So. Yeah, I, I just love what you guys are saying on this topic, and I mean, I, I think it's I think it's super important. So thanks, Mike, for for bringing this up. Sure, and I and I do want to just real quick before we transition say, um, one one of the things that I, I've been trying to step into as a person of color is understanding, um, and I'm going to try to do this really quick because I, I don't want um, the the idea to come across that we're, we're framing this to say that the problem in and of itself it, it, you know, is white people just for the, the simple fact that they are white. Uh, there's a difference between being a white person 
and the the socio-political construct of whiteness and how that has been used over time to oppress people. And one of the things that I've been coming into an understanding of is the reality that as a black person who who has attained a certain level of, of privilege, uh, whether that's you know not necessarily economically because I'm, I'm I'm broke as a joke, but you know whether that's through educational or uh, being a male th that that as well. Uh, the levels of I mean working at a higher ed institution, uh, which you know I'm I'm in the single digits of men who look like me that are doing that. I mean the the low low single digits and understanding that um, th th there are very easy and subtle ways for me to move into. Uh, the, the place of becoming an oppressor or, mm -hmm. or, or participating in the system that can continue to oppress those who look like me, uh, or especially women who look like me, who have not been able to attain into these spaces. And, and just by sort of being quiet and being safe, quote unquote, whatever that means, um, I, I can very easily participate in whiteness. And so uh, that is something that we all have to wrestle through. We all have to understand how has the construct of whiteness impacted the way we see ourselves, the way we as black people see white people, uh, the, the way that we interact with one another, the, the way that we have conversations around the topic? Um, we, we have to be really careful in assuming uh, that folks are even aware oftentimes how they are operating to perpetuate uh, the belief in a hierarchy of human value, which is at the root of all of this and, and which can be propagated by anyone. No, and that's that's excellent stuff. I think we could probably talk about that for forever. There's yeah. so much in there, and I sense Jordan like we must move on. So I, I don't, <laughs> don't want to keep on there. But you can hear that feedback unmute. I just want to make sure we don't go over time. So uh, thank you all again for this discussion. It's been incredibly uh, valuable to me. I will say, and I hopefully it was valuable to our listeners as well. We're going to close out with PMI that is discussing what has piqued my interest, meaning your interest this week. That could be a book, film, movie, music, TV show, or anything in between. We'll start with Mike. Sure. Um, so th this definitely piqued my interest uh, last, uh, what was it? I guess it was, yeah, last night, Monday night. Uh, or Sunday. When, when did Last Dance come on? Was it Sunday night or Monday night? Monday night. Sunday yeah, Monday night. night. I bet, I bet, I, you know what? What is time? What are days? That, that's what <laughs> piqued my interest recently. But no, I, watching episode three and four of the MJ doc, The Last Dance, be, yeah, being right. further and further convinced that he's the goat. But we're not going to go there right now. But uh, <laughs> in episode three, they're talking about <laughs> they're talking about Dennis Rodman and. Um, there was this interesting nugget uh, in which they looked at um, what looks like on the surface, Dennis Rodman, you know, he was on the Pistons. He showed up like really late at night with a right, you know, with his gun in his car. And so there was a kind of an interesting mental health uh, question there around mm -hmm. that whole story. Uh, but, but what piqued my interest about it was the next day I was watching an interview uh not in an interview, but uh, Bart Scott and Alan Hahn, they have a radio show on ESPN New York. And Bart Scott, of course, is a former linebacker for the Jets. And he's from Detroit. And he was talking about how the interesting subscript to that whole story is that there's a rumor. And now he said it, you know, don't come for me. It's probably, you could probably Google it. We were talking about Google. Uh, <laughs> but what he said was like, what, what actually happened 
was that a teammate of Dennis Rodman's, Vinnie Johnson, uh, was having some inappropriate contact with Dennis Rodman's wife at the time. And so... Drama pretexting. That's like a phone call. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Rodman was apparently about that action, and he showed up basically in the middle of the night waiting for a man to show up early the next oh morning to take care of business. And, um, of course, that, that never really got out in the, in the mainstream media at the time. Rodman pretty, pretty quickly got traded to the Spurs, like right after that incident, they didn't really talk much about it, but it kind of helps. Cause you know, for folks at the time, cause you know, I, you know, I, um, you know, I wasn't really around at the time. So, you know, for folks at the time, it was kind of confusing cause he was a key part to the Pistons team. And of course the, the team that won the two chips, you know, before that time period. And so they were wondering why they kind of gave him away for not much, but, uh, definitely want to look more into that story. So that that piqued my interest. I like how you said for sure a linebacker for the Jets. Like people know who linebackers for the Jets are. <laughs> uh, I meant, maybe I meant to say former. That was probably a, uh, a brain part. My bad. <laughs> like I'm like, bro, I don't know any Jets linebackers. but <laughs> I, I barely do. They're trash. So, you know, just but they weren't trash when he was on the team. I, I'll give him that. You know, can't wait and all that. Very good. Agent, can you go next for us, please? Yeah, man. Um, I think one thing, uh, it, it's a show that I think is, is somewhat popular amongst um, uh, you you know, get a new one. Uh, black population. Uh, Insecure, season three, I believe, or season four. Uh, season, has, four. Uh, season four started. Um, there, there, there's a lot of commentary that takes place throughout the entire series so far. But I think one of the biggest things that I I just kind of had a moment realizing when I was watching the newest episode of just the ability to have something on one of the big one of the biggest platforms in HBO that is just kind of centered around uh, black women. Um, uh, I think it's been a while since we've uh, had something like that. I know there are shows like Girlfriends that I think was very successful, um, but to have it on a platform like HBO, um, I, I just don't know if I had seen that, um, you know, and obviously in the era of social media, to have so much conversations happening around different people, um, I think that was just kind of refreshing to see. So definitely something I recommend. Very good. And uh, I believe Insecure is on HBO streaming. Uh, Logan, can you yeah. vote next for us, please? Real, real quick before Logan, my thing with Insecure, because I, I haven't watched an episode. Black Talk Twitter, me. Black Twitter, please don't drag me. So my <laughs> my, my like little, little stick with Insecure is to try to figure out what's happening in the shows just from reading <laughs> Black Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so that's literally my whole interaction with Insecure. I, I don't and know it's anything. so entertaining, bro. Yeah, and just reading the comments is entertaining. And I, I haven't, yeah. I'm not even seeing anything. I'm just seeing how people are describing it. And like, oh, okay. Yeah, so I feel like I, I watch it, but I don't. I don't even it think they really meant to create that aspect of it. Like the Twitter yeah. interaction, it just kind of grew out of it. And right. it's, it's part I of think it. I think the writing like uh, reflects it a little bit now because like this last episode was, you know, and I was going to talk a little bit because that's one of my favorite no shows spoilers. too. But like this, this last episode when you know, you thought Issa. Uh, no spoilers. Well, no we spoilers. can't spoil anything. No spoilers. Uh, no spoilers. Uh, 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 
Broad summary. Broad summary. Broad summary. Broad summary. Okay, so it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. If you ain't watching the show yet, but anyways, I won't. I won't. Yeah, I won't. I won't spoil it. But it is interesting how you'll in early in that episode you'll be like, wow, you know, I'm kind of liking how this is rolling, and then later on you're like, dang. Uh, now I'm disliking the whole ideas of some of the things that are taking place. And I feel like they do mm. that now more than they did in season one because I actually restarted season one because yeah. season four is reflecting on season one a lot. So um, I wanted to kind of – but, yeah, that's, that's – uh, I think they I think they know that, that Twitter be out there about it and they want um, – yeah, they want us to talk about it. But for me, uh, I bought this book back months ago. It's called Suicidal. Um, by a guy named uh, Jesse Baring, um, as a person that's like struggled with mental health and has uh, also been in situations with myself, with family, where suicide, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I've attempted or anything, but this has been a conversation that's kind of been in my life a lot. Um, I, I kind of wanted to dig deeper into it. And I, I bought this book maybe in November. Um, and it kind of found its way on my shelf just because the holidays hit and I forgot about it. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Like it kind of touches into, it's basically, um, this psychologist, I, I bought it in a, a, in a um, y'all are annoying in this chat over here. Uh, I bought it in a, uh, I bought it in a bookstore. They have a bookstore in Berkeley. It's a, um, uh, a press, a uh, university press bookstore. So everything in the bookstore that they sell is like by professionals. Like they don't buy, they don't sell anything that's not written by someone that's an expert in the field, which I love. So I can go in there and kind of peek around. And so like when I, when I dug into it, this is my psychologist who's uh, kind of talking about his experience in life and, and growing up in the as a closeted um, gay man and just like what it looked like to want to take his own life but then also what it looks like to help people not want to do that um it really kind of digs in deep to some of the the concepts of and one of the things that really stuck out to me as i was reading this week was um this thought that the person that knows you better than anyone like the closest person to you they don't even know five percent of how much you know about yourself and uh, I really like that because it really starts to to make you realize that, you know, you are your biggest, like, knowledge base, you're your biggest fan, you're your biggest supporter. Um, and, I, and I'm excited to kind of dig back into it and kind of, you know, use use this time off to get, you know, maybe in line with not only my mental health, but hopefully like helping helping other people see kind of the importance of, of their existences. But, yeah. Right. And they're very good. Uh, quickly, Garrison, could you end for us, please? Well, Jordan, I don't know if you have one. I don't know if you're going to share. Yeah, I'm going to make sure you have some some time. But I will go next, and you'll end. I hope. Um, but okay, so this this is the book. I'm glad we're on this this uh, mental health wave. Going to keep going with that one. Um, the Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health by Doctor Rita Walker. Um, she is absolutely amazing and, uh, I'm super excited to get into it. I just got it yesterday. It comes out on May 1st. So shout out to the devil, AKA Amazon for getting it to me quickly. Um, Yo. Oh, I have it a little earlier, but the really cool thing about this is, I mean, the, the, the title describes it all, but we're also having her, um, do a virtual seminar at my church in a couple of weeks Clout. and everyone's invited. So that's what's up. 
Very good. Uh, and I'll end with a book recommendation too, which has been very helpful for me in my journalism, uh, my work in trying to become a full-fledged journalism, graduate from budding. And it is called Sound Reporting. It's the NPR Guide to Audio Journalism and Production is by Jonathan Kern. He is a long timer at NPR and this book is incredible in teaching how to chase a story, how to edit, how to interview, everything. So I recommend it if you're into this kind of thing. And uh, that is it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Affirmative Interaction. We hope to see you here again next week. And please, for the love of God, don't go outside. See you next time. Peace, everyone. All right, y'all. See you later. Bye.